Episode 6, The Photon Podcast, Summits on the Air, an HT giveaway from Maine Trading Company. We're going all the way to the top with this one, guys. Stay tuned. AmateurRadio15.com presents Photime, the other ham radio podcast. Sponsored by Main Trading Company. Find them online at mtcradio.com. Now, here's your host, Kale Nelson, K4CDN. Well, welcome into episode number six of the Photon Podcast. I am your host, Kale Nelson, K4CDN. Thank you so much again for taking this time out of your schedule to check out what we've got going on here on Photon got a really neat episode coming up we've got kilo yankee 7 sierra from the upper northwest (laughs) washington state and doug's going to be with us and we're going to talk about all things soda summits on the air don't have any calls this week i don't know what happened to you guys but uh, maybe maybe you guys will give us a call on the phone line later on right anyway i am kale and i want to talk to you for just a moment about an ht giveaway we've got main trading company our show sponsor at mtcradio.com has provided us with a brand new Oshin 5 Delta dual band walkie-talkie. Now this includes the walkie-talkie, the uh, the shoulder mic, lapel mic, as some people some people even call it a speaker mic. It's the one that clips up on your shoulder, and the original, the new one, the good one, the programming cable that you that you really need to program these radios with. Anyway, they've given it to us, and we're going to give it away to you. Now, granted, I'd like to have it. I've already got two, so I really don't need a third. But I'll tell you this, if you go to the Photime website at AmateurRadio15.com and you click on the sign-up link, it's the newsletter sign-up link, enter your first name and your email address there, and you're entered to win. We're going to make the announcement on Episode 7. So two weeks from now, we're going to be telling you who won the HT. And if you're listening and you haven't registered yet, the only person you can be upset with is you. So go to the Photime website and do that. But right now, we want to bring on the show Doug. His call sign is Kilo Yankee 7 Sierra. Doug is an extra class operator who is really involved pretty heavily in the summits on the air, or SOTA, if you will, up there in Washington State. That's on the other end of the country from me. So Doug, tell us a little bit about a, about who you are, what you are, and what you're doing up in Washington State here on the Photime Podcast. Okay, yeah, I uh, live up here in Washington State, and I live in Seattle. I'm sandwiched right in between two mountain ranges, the Cascade and the Olympics. And, um, you know, ever since I was a kid, I've always been interested in radio. You know, played with CB a bit, but, you know, got out of that because it, uh, you know, wasn't quite what it was after. And I ended up getting into amateur radio about nine years ago in 2005. And um, one thing as a kid that I always dreamed of was, you know, being up in the on a peak somewhere, talking to faraway lands. It just sounded, you know, like a lot of fun. And um, I became aware of a program called Summits on the Air, or SOTA for short, uh, back probably around 2005 or 2006. But it was only uh, in Europe at that time, hadn't been started in the U.S. Well, uh, I came revisited it uh, a little while ago, a couple years back, and saw that uh, it was set up here in the U.S. So uh, what I ended up doing, uh, just 
a little less than a year ago, actually, is picking up a lightweight radio and uh, started activating with summits on the air. Wow. So it's uh, it's been quite a quite a journey for you to uh, to get to the mountaintop of the hobby here. It sounds like. Hey, we've discussed outdoor operations. We've discussed man portable operations. Uh, we've discussed islands, and now we're going to talk about summits. And uh, can you give me a little bit about give me a little information on what is summits on the air and what makes a particular place a summit to be activated on the air? Yeah, you bet. Uh, Summits on the Air is basically an awards program for ham radio operators uh, and shortwave listeners that encourages portable operations up in the mountains. And it was started in the UK, you know, about 2002, and then it spread to a lot of other places in the world. And uh, what they do is when they set up an area, they go in and identify peaks with a prominence greater than about 150 meters you know, close to 500 feet, um, you know, uh, above other peaks. And they give those peaks a point value based on the elevation. For instance, uh, peaks under 499 meters get one point. Peaks 500 meters to 999 meters get two points. All the way up to the highest is a a 10-point peak. Um, I should mention that uh, the point values for different peaks can vary a little bit by geographic region. And a lot of these peaks also have what's known as a winter bonus. If they're high enough, uh, you get extra points for activating them during the winter time because they're likely covered in snow. Wow. So the peaks are identified by the association number and region and peak number. For instance, I live in Washington State, so my association number is Whiskey 7 Whiskey. You know, it's the uh, whiskey identifies its U.S., 7 is the 7th call area, and Whiskey for Washington State. After that would be the region and peak number. Um, For instance, I live in King County in Washington State. So uh, one of the peaks nearby is KG for King County, and the peak number is 076. That's uh, called Humpback Mountain. Now, um, in Washington State, we're obviously a pretty mountainous state up here. We've got uh, 2,742 soda-eligible peaks here. Wow. So, yeah, there's there's a lot to do. Um, you know, it, I'm sure places like uh, Kansas or Florida would have uh, far fewer. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> they get the... Negative points. <laughs> there we go. It would be uh, some marine points. There you go. Okay. So when it comes to uh, soda, there are two different ways to really come at it. Um, if you live in a place that has a lot of mountains and you really like to get out and do a lot of hiking, you can be an activator. An activator, of course, goes out and hikes up to the top of the uh, peak and um, sets up and operates there. Uh, there are also... Chasers, and chasers are critically important at SOTA. Chasers are the people at home, in their cars, wherever, um, that work you or anybody while they are activating. And chasers also get points through summits on the air. So you can get activator points, chaser points. And if you're somebody who uh, just likes to listen and you don't like to talk at all, you can also get points as a shortwave listener. 
Um, now, when it comes to being an activator, um, you get points for working each peak once per year. If I today went up, you know, um, to a certain summit, worked it, and went back to the same summit one week later, I'd only get points for the first time I activated it that calendar year. Chasers, on the other hand, they get points for each summit that um, you know they chase once per day. And you may ask, well, why? Why do they get once per day when activators only get once per year? It's because as activators, we need chasers. Um, the activators, activators need those chasers to work them in order to, uh, you know, get the points for that summit. If we had nobody to talk to while activating, it just wouldn't work. So um, these points will get you award certificates. Uh, you can get certificates at 100 points, 250, 500, and so on. And um, you can actually get trophies uh, and uh, little titles at 1,000 points, 2,500, 5,000, and 10,000. At those levels, you become either a mountain goat, somebody who you know, goes up the mountain, or as a chaser, a chaser, you'd be known as a shack sloth. So you can get certificates. <laughs> you can get certificates, trophies, and then uh, you'll like this one. You can also get patches. And the patches are already in the store. They don't have to make them. There's no waiting. <laughs> classic, classic. Yeah, I had no idea. It, it's pretty serious. It's uh, it's a, a means of uh, a fraternity almost of, of folks who, I guess, work together in a sense to activate particular summits, to generate points for both sides, and then work towards the goals of the, the paper or the trophies or the patches. You bet, absolutely. And the great thing is, too, um, you actually get to know these people that you work. Uh, you'll work the same people over and over on a regular basis. And while I'm up there on the summit activating, you know, I'll hear call signs come in and go you know, right back to them with their first names. You know, For instance, uh, they're in, uh, geez, I think it's Oklahoma, there's a husband and wife team, uh, Gary and Martha. And uh, I know that when I get one of them, uh, instead of going on afterwards, going on to a different caller, I just ask, uh, you know, put your husband on or put your wife on, <laughs> make it nice and efficient for them. So yeah, you get to know wow. these people really well. That's pretty awesome. I had no idea that it was it was such a tightly knit group. Uh, for someone who is interested in SOTA, or maybe maybe they're a new licensee, you're looking towards their license, or maybe a general upgrade. Um, when when let's say they get in trying to activate a, a summit, they they do activate a summit. Will it be hard for somebody to break into the ranks, or is it a pretty open kind of um, kind of group of folks? Oh, it's an extremely open group of folks. Uh, everybody's really polite. Everybody's very friendly, and everybody loves to help each other out. Um, it's fabulous. Um, you know, at, when uh, if somebody wants to start in soda. Uh, there are a couple great websites. Uh, there's the main SOTA website, which is sota.org.uk, um, UK, because that's where it started. And then that has all the rules, um, the main database. Uh, you, you look up all the information um, for your area there. And then there's also a secondary website called sodawatch.org. And that acts as a, kind of a spotting website, much like uh, DX spots. 
you can go on there and post you know your upcoming activation. Say, hey, next week I'm going to be on this summit at this time, this frequency. Look for me there so people know where to find you. And then when you get there and start operating, if you have um, a cell signal and can you know get on the Internet through your cell phone, you can also do a spot saying, I'm here right now. Or um, someone else who works, you can spot you. But um, when somebody wants to jump in um, to SOTA and activate a summit, the first thing to do is go to the uh, main website, soda.org.uk, and uh, bring up a mapping application they have there. It, it, it's a really good mapping program that lists all the eligible summits for SOTA um, around the world. So you can zoom into your area or maybe an area you're traveling to somewhere else. Uh, it'll show you all the summits on the map and all the details on them, how many points there were, who may have activated them in the past. Maybe your activation is the first activation of it. Um, after that, just um, you know, take a look and pick your route to get in there. One, one trick I use uh, to see if it's even really possible to get to some of these summits. You know, they may be in an area that um, you know, may have private property around them or uh, maybe on government land where you really can't get in there. But a trick I use is if you go to the uh, geocaching website and take a look at the same summit, if there's a geocache up there, you know you can get there. So then you can bring up maps and start planning your route. Cool, cool. And I imagine there is quite a bit of planning to, to to do this, to do it the correct way. And and that's what it sounds like from your description there. Yeah, basically, you know, take a look and first of all, you know, summit that you are thinking of, you know, make sure that it is soda eligible. And then yeah, just uh then you have to plan your route in, how you can get in there. Uh it, it, some of them, it's really easy. There's a road going either to the top or almost to the top. Some require a hike, uh, you know, anywhere from one mile to 20 miles. Um, some have no roads near them, no trails to them, and you're going cross-country and bushwhacking. So, you know, um, I'm not going to get too much into basically how to hike or how to climb. I think that's a, a bit of a separate topic, but... Uh, just be sure that you don't get in over your head on something that's a little too hard. Gotcha. So consult your physician first. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but yeah, once you've uh, found the Soda Summit, once you've decided your route, how you're going to get in there, uh, like I mentioned before, go on uh, sodawatch.org and post your upcoming activation so people know where to find you. It makes things a lot easier. Um, then just pack up. Head out, hike up, and set up. Once you have your radio all set up and everything, uh, just get on frequency and, of course, uh, use use good behavior and key up and see if the frequency is in use. If not, start calling CQ. I like, I, I like calling just CQ soda, CQ soda. Uh, the first people that work you, just uh, have those chasers spot you on the soda watch or, you know, if you can do so on your cell phone, just go for it yourself. And uh, what I find is uh, the first person to work you, uh, you usually have yeah, two, three minutes to just to chat with them you know, while they spot you online and before other people come. 
But after about two, three minutes, you usually have a little bit of a pile up on your hands, uh, which can be fun, especially if you've never worked a pile up before. It can, uh, can be really interesting. Um, so then uh, as you are working people, just record all your contacts. Uh, the main things you'll need are the time of the contact, uh, your, you know, the call sign of the person you're working, and signal reports on both ends. I just use a, a small notebook and uh, scratch away furiously with a pen. Then when you're done, pack up, hike back down, get in your car, and head home. And once you uh, are home and settled in, uh, just take your notebook, log into the SOTA database on soda.org.uk, and just uh, record your contacts. It's really easy to enter all the information. All you need is uh, time, call sign, and signal report. Actually, I don't even think you have to have signal report. I think it's just the call sign and the time. And of course, the summit information. And uh, the database will take care of you know, signing all the points and all that. Wow. So uh, it, it basically, what it comes down to here is uh, your mule packing in, and once you get up and get all your contacts made, of course, all the work's done for you when you get home. Once you enter everything that you accomplished in there at the, at the end. You bet. Yeah. That's pretty cool stuff. Guys, we're on the phone with Doug. Doug is from Washington State, and we appreciate him being on with us today on the Photon Podcast. His call is Kilo Yankee 7 Sierra. I like those one by twos. I should have gotten licensed years ago in four town. Uh, we'll be back with Doug in, a, in just a few minutes here on the Photon Podcast. Visit mtcradio.com today. A great one-stop mom-and-pop shop for everything ham radio. Radios, antennas, power supplies, wire and cable, books and training materials, microphones, headsets, and accessories. Find popular brands like MFJ, Heil Sound, Jetstream, LDG, Alinko, Comet, Texas Bugcatcher, Radio Waves, and more. mtcradio.com, an authorized Kenwood and ICOM dealer. mtcradio.com. Before we get back to Doug, Kilo Yankee 7 Sierra, let me remind you that the fine folks at MTC Radio we just heard from have offered you some very special pricing on some really great gear just for the Photime listener. Uh, They've got a package for a brand new ham and they've got a package for someone who wants to upgrade their HF equipment. So make sure you check out that. We've got all the links for you at the Photime website, AmateurRadio15.com. Let's get back to Doug on Photime. All right, back on the phone line, we've got Doug, Kilo Yankee 7 Sierra from Washington State. That's on the other side of the country from me. And we're talking about soda. Summit's on the air, and Doug's taking us to the top, and we've made some contacts, created quite a stir, and uh, gotten through our pileup. Doug, where do we go from there? Tell, tell me about some rules, some regulations to uh, to keep the uh, the activation in line with what's expected. Oh, you bet. Uh, well, first thing about soda is it's really set up to encourage you know man portable operation in the mountains, and because of that, uh, you shouldn't use motorized transport to get actually to the summit itself. You know, now a lot of these summits may have a road going straight to the top. So there's a a guideline in place of um, having to hike the last 25 vertical meters. So if there is a road to the top, just stop your car 
a ways down the road and do the last part of the hike in. Also, uh, you should use a portable power source. You know, it could be that uh, you know the summit is something that has uh, a building at the top, like maybe Pikes Peak, and you could theoretically run over and plug in, you know, to uh, to the power there. Nah, don't do it. You need to bring up your own power source. Think man portable. You must also carry all your equipment to the summit. And then um, for each summit, uh, you don't necessarily have to be at the very, very peak. Uh, this is important to remember for a variety of reasons. Um, sometimes the very, very peak isn't that safe. You know, you, there may be a precipitous cliff on one side. Uh, you know, maybe you know, covered in snow up there. Or it could be windy as heck and you want a little cover. So you, there's an activation zone for each summit, and that activation zone is um, 30 vertical meters from the summit. You know, depending on the terrain, that you know, who, that could be any number of horizontal meters, but it needs to be 30 vertical meters of the summit. And one great thing about that is you can also take advantage of natural terrain features uh, when setting up your antenna. You know, it could be that um, some ground is rocky, hard to set up in. Other ground is, um, you know, has more dirt, easier to set up in. Or if you are an extra class uh, operator and think back to the questions on your extra class exam, they asked about what a hillside does to your takeoff angle of a horizontally polarized antenna. If you set up that horizontally horizontally polarized antenna over a hillside, it'll decrease the takeoff angle, and that's one thing I try to take advantage of. I like using a dipole, and uh, I'll erect it uh, north to south and try to put it on a slope uh, that faces to the east, so I can get my maximum distance in that direction. Now, when you're on the summit. In order to activate it and get the points for your activation, they require a minimum of four QSOs to get those points. Uh, I've never had any problem getting to that. I think the minimum number of QSOs I've ever had was eight, and that be was because the weather was so bad I was in a rush to get off that mountain as quickly as possible. Usually um, right around 20 to 25 QSOs for average. And then the uh, last rule is QSOs via repeaters don't count. Uh, it just needs to be simplex person to person. You can't get on a, a 2 meter or 440 and go through a local repeater. Wow. Well, it's uh, I like that um, description there of the uh, the precipitous <laughs> precipitous mountain top area that that uh you know you don't think about some of the things like that but uh i guess if you're climbing the mountain with your gear you're going to be thinking about it because it's your gear that you and your life that you've toted to the top <laughs> definitely yeah there you know it these mountains vary so much it could be an easy nice trail to hike up or you could be going up cliff faces you know keep in mind to stick with your ability and talking about power, and, and we'll get to that in just a few moments, um, in the Photime web store, linked on the Photime website, uh, we've got the power film uh, solar panels 
that we discussed back in episode number two. We'll talk about that later. Talk about some gear, Doug. I'm curious about your gear and, and what you're taking with you. Uh, last, uh, or a few episodes back, actually, we talked to Harlequin about the man pack, man portable rigs, and this has to um, walk down the hall and hold hands with that episode, I would imagine, because man pack is how you're packing your gear to the top. So what what are you taking along with you for, for your uh, equipment? Uh, well, myself personally, I have an Elecrap KX3 that I just love. Um, you know, with soda, of course, you want to go very lightweight because you're going to have to pack that uh, equipment up sometimes many thousands of feet. So lightweight is a key. Um, so, yeah, I went with the Elecrap KX3. And um, I have mine inside um, a Condor Tactical water bottle holder. It's just a, a Cordura pouch meant to hold a water bottle. Great thing about it is uh, it's lightly insulated, which also acts as padding. Um, also in that uh, water bottle holder, I keep my uh, mic. Um, I use, instead of headphones, I use earbuds. I find that those will cut out the wind a lot better on some of these peaks. And then they're also lighter weight. Uh, also in there, I keep uh, an extra... Uh, vertical wire antenna and a counterpoise. And then my power cords are in there as well. Then in a separate little quarter of pouch, uh, I keep a battery. Um, I went with a uh, uh, LifePo 4, which is the lithium ion uh, phosphate. And it's, uh, I think you may have seen them. They're uh, pretty popular batteries. Uh, the brand is called Zippy. It's a Zippy 4200 uh, milliamp battery. They're made for remote control vehicles, uh, be they cars or airplanes. So uh, they're made uh, uh, to be able to provide a, you know, a lot of draw on that battery. And uh, they're also made to be very lightweight for remote control applications. So I found they work fabulous for ham radio applications. I also, uh, you know, have a notebook, of course, to record all my contacts, and then I always take two pens just in case one fails. If you run out of ink or have a problem with your pen up on the summit, you're kind of out of luck. <laughs> and when when it comes to the antenna, my main antenna is I love dipoles, um, so I just made my own dipole uh, using a really thin 28 gauge wire, you know, nice and lightweight. Uh, and then what I bought to support it is a 7.2-meter telescoping fishing pole. Uh, if you go on to um, you know, Google or even YouTube and uh, type in for a search term squid pole antenna, uh, you'll see that uh, a lot of people use these 7.2 you know, to 10-meter telescoping fishing poles. Lightweight. They collapse down into a, a nice small package that you can throw in your pack. Work really well. And then um, I usually use uh, very lightweight tent stakes to uh, stake it into the ground. I um, use line attached to each dipole leg, then wrap it around uh, the lightweight tent stakes. I also keep uh, various other little things on hand to um, secure the base of the antenna, such as you know Velcro one wrap in case there are small trees or something uh, I can attach to on the summit. The the main thing is to have your antenna 
to be able to be set up in a variety of different configurations on different kinds of terrain. I've been on peaks where it's just nice dirt and you push things straight into the ground. I've been on other peaks where it's just hard slab rock. Others where you're in car-sized boulders. So you really have to be able to adapt to the terrain in getting your antenna up. I'm surprised you haven't said duct tape, but maybe that's just a southerner in me uh, wondering where <laughs> they wanted to go back. Well, think of that Velcro one wrap as uh, reusable duct tape. Okay, I'll give you that. So let me ask you this: Are you are you making resonant antennas? Uh, your dipoles, you're you're pre-configuring them at home, and and then taking them with you, or are you using the yo-yo style where you have the uh, the clothes lines and then run it out and you know the portable camping clothes lines? Which way are you going there? I'm going with resonant antenna, and uh, the reason why is, you know, I'm operating at you know low power QRP. I want that antenna to be as efficient as possible. You know, the biggest bang for my buck. So um, yeah, I, I like to get them all fabbed up and cut at home. And also because I'm you know a big radio geek, I just like to fiddle with this stuff. <laughs> well, that's that's part of the resume for all of us, I believe, is the big radio geek. Uh, I mean, why are we having a conversation on a podcast that we have hundreds of people listening to if we're not all standing around with pocket protectors and tape between the center of our glasses, right? Uh, yeah, but unless you're in the soda and then you're standing around in, uh, you know, duct-taped hiking boots and, uh, you know, replace your pocket protector with, I don't know, power bars. <laughs> Hey, speaking of, I mean, you you you've described your kit and you're toting it up in the Condor uh, water bottle bag. Now I've got the um, the deployment the, so the small deployment bag in the Photon store uh, as a um, I had seen a reference to that from a, a guy named Ed Cope who's actually in Afghanistan using his Elacraft on JT65 to talk all over the world, and we're, we're hoping to have Ed on the show here pretty soon, but. Uh, I've seen photographs of yours. Is that all you're taking with you? I would imagine that you would have some ancillary gear, you know, like a a change of clothes, an extra pair of socks. What happens if I slip and burst, you know, the the bust a hole in my knee, and I've got a I need a band-aid or something? I'm I'm just assuming there that you've got some other stuff with you. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I've got my you know full hiking or climbing pack, depending on what I I'm doing. You know, I've been hiking forever and um, have been into climbing for about the last 10 years. So, um, you know, I usually take up with me, um, you know, uh, you know, good hiking backpack. Mine's an Arcteryx, I believe. And um, you have in there, you know, food, of course, um, a 100-ounce water bladder, a medical kit. Uh, I've got all my what is commonly referred to in uh, hiking or climbing as the 10 essentials, um, things you always keep with you in case of emergencies, like extra food, you know, uh, knife, headlamp for light, those types of things. Uh, usually I usually use uh, trekking poles too, which can also help out in uh, erecting your antenna as well if you uh, want to keep some wires off the ground but don't have any trees to put them on. Um, 
And then uh, if I'm in an area that may be wooded in the hill hillside I'm going to be activating or the, the peak I'm going to be activating is kind of rolling, I'll throw a, a GPS in so I can locate the exact top of the peak. Nice. Okay. Okay. Well, that, that that I'm sure goes unsaid, but I just wanted to, you know, to fix my curiosity and curiosity and all of that as well. Yeah, you bet. It's uh, yeah, just all my uh, my standard hiking gear and just throw in the radio and batteries on top of it. Hi. Right. Okay. Well, cool. So um, we, we've kind of covered a lot of a lot of information pretty rapidly. Um, is there anything else before you before you got your Elecraft radio? Uh, did you did you do the soda? And if so, um, what about some alternative gear to the uber popular Elecraft? Which I, I guess I'm gonna have to buy me one because everybody's got one I talk to, and I'm not the only guy I know on the podcast that doesn't have one right now. I feel kind of left out. Yeah, we were actually all talking about you and. Wondering about uh, you not having that Elecraft. We weren't sure we could all associate with you until you got that. But uh, we took a little pity on you, so we're all coming to your show for now. But uh, yeah, um, I, uh, I before working soda, I didn't have anything light and portable. Um, wanting to work soda is what got me into my Elecraft. But uh, a lot of people use a lot of different things. Um, you know, some are using. Uh, some of the big three, like uh, the Yaesu FT-817. Um, also, uh, some of the small QRP kits you can buy, um, like the Mountain Topper Radio, you know, the other uh, little CW-only kits you can buy that are, are QRP. Those are, are really popular, um, you know, just because of the lightweight uh, and, you know, portability. Definitely. The whole key is, uh, you know, keep it lightweight as possible because you're going to be packing it a long distance. I got you. Um, you spoke a lot about CW there. Is that your operating uh, preference when you're on the on the summit, or are you a voice guy? I'm a voice guy. Uh, I've been just using a single sideband phone uh, for all my activations. And uh, even though I've been a ham for about nine years, I am just now learning CW. I'm right in the middle of it. And um, so you know, what's great is my, you know, I can still use that KX3 on the summit uh, for when I switch over to CW. You know, I don't know if I'll do a uh, full switch over or, or use both on the summit. And that brings up one other uh, quick point. Uh, I actually have a, have a few kind of, tips or tricks, but uh, one of the great things to do when working on Summit in order to uh, kind of maximize um, your use of that Summit is try to work uh, several bands, or if, if you're able to as well, work several modes, um, be it, you know, uh, phone or CW. Um, because, you know, with different bands, depending on the time of day, you'll be able to work different people in different geographic areas. For instance, I, my main band I use is 20 meters. Um, but there's also somebody uh, down in Oregon who likes to work me a lot. He's a, a big chaser. His name's Phil. And um, I can never get him on 20 meters. He's too close. So I'll switch right. to 40 meters for him and anybody else in the, a nearby geographical area. 
Cool. And you're talking about multiple modes. I, I'm sitting here thinking I, I really enjoy the digital modes, and I don't necessarily know why, but it's I guess it's just one of the things that that I get a kick out of. Uh, do you operate digital when you're on the summit, and how do you how do you do that? Because I would imagine that with a KX3, you've got an iPad or an iPhone or some Android device, you plug a technology cable in, you're good to go. Yeah, I know you could do that. Um, I don't. Um, you know, I work digital modes a lot at home. That's most of why I work at home. But you honestly don't see much digital at all in summits on the air. And uh, I'm, I think one of the main reasons why is it'd be mostly, uh, you know, the Elecraft rigs or maybe some of the lighter weight, um, you know, of the big three, like the FT817, where you can do that. A lot of the more popular, you know, small QRP rigs aren't really set up for digital. So I honestly, I don't think I've ever really heard of anybody using digital with soda. Wow, wow. Well, I guess this, there's always a good old fallback CW, and that's kind uh, of you president. That's a, <laughs> that's an operating mode. Yeah. So uh, tell us a little bit about um, your your last the last time you were on a summit. You don't have to give dates or times or anything, but just curious for the last one that you did. Uh, walk us through the walk us through the trip and and how you got there and and what happened while you were there. Well, the last one wasn't um, my typical. Uh, I'd been cooped up for a couple of weeks and really needed to get out. So I took a look online at the uh, SOTA map and saw that there were four summits in close proximity. And the the hikes weren't that big. I'm usually somebody who likes to do the harder hikes. But uh, so I got this you know, idiotic idea to try to do four summits in one day. And uh, so got my car loaded up with, uh, you know, extra food and everything for a long day, you know, headed out early in the morning. And what I did is the night before I emailed one of the soda chasers who is usually the first to work me on each activation, and I always get him in a solid, solid 5-9 signal. So I emailed him and said, hey, here's what I'm going to be doing tomorrow. Here are the summits, and here's my approximate time for each. And um, so, you know, he knew where to find me when, and I knew he'd be able to spot me. So it would be, help, you know, big help having somebody out there to, to follow along. So I, yeah, headed, headed out bright and early in the morning, um, you know, drove, you know, about halfway across the state, uh, into this area that uh, actually had been burned over the previous year in a large forest fire. Hmm. And, uh, you know, went in and went. the first summit was only about a mile and a half hike in. And if I recall, it was about 1,500 feet of elevation gain. And there used to be an old fire lookout at the top. So hiked up there. The weather wasn't quite what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be nice and sunny, but... Uh, kind of gray and a little bit windy. Got up to the summit, uh, set up my antenna and everything, and uh, as I started my uh, activation, watched uh, from the south a big rain squall heading my way. Oh, so I tried, <laughs> tried to make that one a pretty pretty quick activation. I was hoping it would miss me, but uh, 
Then I got hit suddenly by a heavy downpour followed by hail. Wow. So, um, yeah, I uh, got everything uh, all packed up at the, you know, into that activation. Um, while I was up there, I let uh, everybody else I activated know where I'd be next and about what time. And then uh, ran down the mountain as fast as I could without slipping. I uh, hit the car and drove off to the next and uh, did that throughout the day. And, um, you know, I, geez, when did I start? I started fairly in the, early in the morning and didn't uh, end until about 7.30 p.m. Wow. So you, you literally made an all-day trip and got four summits. Um, is that the most you've done? That one? is the most I've done in one day, and I think uh, that'll be the most I'll ever do. That was a, a little bit nuts. I like, to, I like to take my time a little bit more. So, it's kind of hard to go in nature when you're flying by, being chased down the hill by a thunderstorm. Yeah, well, you can also say you're communing with nature at that point, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I usually tend to like to do one summit per day, and I like the ones with the longer hike where you can get way back in there. Ooh. Have you uh, have you had some bad experiences? You got a bad experience, the worst experience you've had you want to share with the listeners? Geez, worst experience. Um, okay, yeah, yeah. Last winter, uh, I decided um, I was going to uh, do a ski activation of a summit. Um, I do Nordic backcountry skiing. You know, uh, you know the Nordic skiing where you it's like cross country, but I do it with uh, uh, you know backcountry skis, wide skis. So uh, got my pack all together. You know, a lot of extra gear in it for winter time, and uh, got my skis and skied up the mountain, and uh, trekked all the way to the top. And by the time I got up there, the weather had kind of changed for the worse. Uh, really strong winds, and then heavy snow started. And I was really close to the summit, thinking, you know what, this sucks. Uh, I should probably turn back. And then I thought, you know, I'm almost there. If I don't if I don't activate it, I'll be mad at myself by the time I'm home. So made the final trek to the summit, uh, got my antenna erected as hastily as I could. Just basically get some wire up there in the air and see what you can do. Um, sat down, took off my my regular gloves, put on big thick gloves, you know, put on a, a big heavy down coat. And started calling CQ, and uh, that's the summit I had the least number of activations on because I just wanted to get the heck off that mountain. So I uh, got my got eight activations in, uh, then got everything thrown back in my pack and skied back down. All the while wondering what was I thinking? <laughs> yeah, Where yeah, was I but that happened. These plans? What what was I thinking tends to happen with about half the things I do in life? <laughs> well, at least you're consistent, right? You know, 50, 50, 50. <laughs> There you go. We, we've got a lot of different listeners here. We've got folks who have been licensed for years. We've got some folks who are, are wanting to dip their toe into the pool of amateur radio, and we're trying to cover all the different aspects. And I know we'll never necessarily be able to, to cover everything, 
but uh, a lot of a lot of the interest, it seems to me at least, in the the newer folks who are coming in or looking to come into the to the hobby, they like the idea of portable operations. And we, like I said, we've talked about islands, we've talked about man portable, we've now talked about operating on top of mountains, and it seems to me that. The, the old saying, you know, the, the, the tagline goes with amateur radio. When, when all else fails, ham radio works. Uh, these types of hobbies, as you utilize them in the actual hobby itself, the sub-hobbies of the hobby, I guess, is what you would say, um, they're further proof that this thing, ham radio, it works because, I mean, it works because it is what it is, but you're on top of a mountain without a cellular telephone signal, but you can talk all over the world with your amateur radio is the same thing as being post-Katrina in Louisiana, like our friend Paul, and uh, not having communications at all except through amateur radio. So it seems to me this is just another good way to practice a good hobby in case of a need in the future. Definitely, definitely. You know, the ability to be able to, you know, pack your equipment to the top of the mountain, be able to, you know, put it together and get your antenna erected in all sorts of different, you know, uh, terrain environments, weather conditions, or what have you, is is great. I know with that experience, I could hook up my portable, you know, my portable radio station anywhere no matter what. Yeah, it just it's yeah, it's great to it's kinda of like a, a mini emergency communications drill every time you go out. And I, I'm sitting here thinking I'm I'm gonna to have to get one of these low power rigs. I, I don't see me toting my T S eight fifty or even the T S fifty anywhere very far with its uh, <laughs> batteries and solar panels and whatever to to run the thing. So man I tell you what you guys you, my guests of the uh, the guests here on the the Photon podcast are going to wind up costing me some money, and I just hope, I'm, you know, I'm honestly glad my wife doesn't listen to the program. She gets enough ham radio just from me being in the house with her. So um, if she listened to this, she would know what's going on, and, I, and I've got to start figuring out a way to to find find Kelly portable station, low power portable station. Well, here's a, another great thing about a low power portable station. They're small, so they're easy to hide you know, from the wife. <laughs> hey, that's a good point. I never thought about that. But I'll tell you what, I am now I'm I'm living in the upstate of South Carolina, so I'm not too far away from the Smoky Mountains. Not that there are huge summits up there, but um I'm actually gonna go to the website here, the uh dot org dot UK, is that correct? That's correct. And uh, just click uh on database there. And uh, on the little drop-down that comes up, it should be the very last one that says uh, mapping application or SOTA mapping application. Okay. Well, are, are there other – we've talked about the uh, the SOTA spotting site. We've talked about the SOTA.org.uk. Are there further Internet sites that you would uh, mention to folks to, to have a place to go look? Yeah, you bet. Um you know, the soda.org.uk and Soda Watch, those will give you kind of the rules and, and all that. But uh, the really fun ones to go to are the websites where you can interact with actual other soda people. Um, for instance, there's a Yahoo group uh, called 
NA Soda for North America Soda. Uh, soda also has a Facebook group. Just pop on Facebook, you know, type in Soda, and uh, you know it should pop right up. And there are people on there from all over the world. In fact, you'll see most of the pictures seem to come, you know, from uh, over in Europe. And then also be sure to search for Soda on YouTube, and you'll come up with all sorts of great videos. Very, very good, very good. And we'll have links to those things if you guys missed it or whatnot uh, in the show notes of the program today. Uh, there's we, we talked about soda, the fraternity, if you will. Um, are there any other organizations outside of the Yahoo groups, Facebook groups, uh, anything like that, uh, North America groups? Or uh, well, let me ask it this way: Are there regional groups? Are there groups over in Washington State that you guys may get together and activate together. Does that ever happen, or is it a solo kind of a thing? Um, I, yeah, some people do go out and activate together. In fact, uh, somebody I met through Soda, he was a, a chaser for my activations a number of times. He just moved up here to Washington State. Well, he's in the military. He got uh, transferred up here, and he and I have been meaning to get together uh, to go on a joint activation. Uh, but I haven't had the, the chance to yet. Yeah, uh, there are some uh, regional groups. I, I believe there is one for uh, the Pacific Northwest. I think there's like a Pacific Northwest soda website. And if I recall, they have uh, uh, individual people's blogs available on there too. You can go on there and make your own blog for all your uh, soda activations. And um, in fact, this weekend I'm going to a uh, my actually my very first organized ham radio event. There's a uh, QRP uh, weekend long gathering here in Washington State. It's called SalmonCon, and uh, it'll be you know a lot of QRP operators and a lot of uh, soda operators. In fact, um, if you've ever seen the videos for Goat Hiker, uh, is Whiskey Golf Zero um, Alpha Tango, he, he's scheduled to be there. In fact, I think he's even giving a presentation on uh, how to work with pack goats. I've actually heard of him through the, the podcast. Now, it's not anything I found on my own, but in the process of coming up through and and looking for uh, interesting topics and whatnot, uh, I've heard of the goat, and uh, that's very interesting. So that's going to be pretty cool for you, man. Um, before we go, give us give us a breakdown on some tips or some tricks that you might have for somebody who is uh, who's ready to to jump into this thing with both feet. Yeah, you bet. Um, one thing I've heard from beginners is they're worried about the pileup. Uh, you know, once you start transmitting as an activator, there will be a pileup. But uh, my thought is, for beginners, don't worry about the pileup. Uh, soda chasers are the most polite and friendly people out there. Basically, when you hear a whole bunch of people coming at you, just simply listen for the call signs that you can hear and go back to them. Uh, also, if there's kind of a longer pileup, a really good thing to do is, in the middle of it, Kind of take a break and ask for either summit to summit or DX calls only. 
that allows kind of the weaker signals to get through and get to you. Summit to summit contacts are my favorite. You're up activating a summit. Someone else at the same time somewhere else is activating a summit, and you can contact each other. And the great thing about that is, well, number one, it's fun. Number two, uh, when you're working that person, you get both the activator points for activating that summit and the chaser points for working the person on the other summit. But uh, a lot of times, you know, their signal is a lot weaker than everyone else because, of course, they're working QRP. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, another thing, another little tip, and I, I only happened on this by accident. I had never thought of it. But uh, earlier in the podcast, I mentioned that chasers get points for working one peak each day. You know, they can work uh, one peak once per day for points. Well, of course, you know, almost everything in ham radio uh, works on Zulu time or UTC, right? right? Well, over here in North America, you have the ability to easily be on the summit right when the clock rolls over midnight UTC. So ah. if you're up on a summit, uh, you know, about 20 minutes before midnight UTC, and you work, say, 10 people, you know, once that clock rolls over, you can work them all again, and those chasers get basically double the points. So, I, like I said, I, I just came across that accidentally. I'm usually not on the summits at that time, but I did once, and uh, a couple people asked me to hold on while the clock rolled over. Hey, I guess you got to do what you got to do, right? That makes sense to me. <laughs> Well, you know, as activators, we need those chasers out there, so anything to make the chaser happy, I'm all for it. His name is Doug Kilo Yankee 7 Sierra. He is from Washington State. He is a diehard, sounds like, participant in the summits on the air as an activator. Doug, man, thanks for thanks for being on the Photon Podcast and sharing with us all about your spectrum, your end of the hobby that we all love and call ham radio. Yeah, thanks for having me, and... Uh, the last thing I'd like to stress is you don't have to be a big hiker to participate in summits on the air. You can do it from the comfort of your own home if you want to chase the activators out there. Doug, we'll get the information from you and, and put it all up on the website here in the show notes. And uh, just a, a reminder again, it's SOTA.org.uk. Doug, again, thank you for being on the Photon Podcast and, and sharing your knowledge here with the listeners. Well, thank you very much. It's amazing. It wraps up another episode. Episode 6 is done. Thanks so much for listening. And again, i got to remind you, Maine Trading Company has given us a radio to give away to you, the listener. So go to the website, AmateurRadio15.com. Sign up for the newsletter sign-up box there. Put your name and email address in it. I'm not going to spam you. I don't want to fill your box full of garbage, but I do want you to have the opportunity to win the radio free of charge. Going to ship it to you for nothing, okay? Main Trading Company, mtcradio.com. Richard and Christy have provided that for us for you, the listener. So want to make sure you get signed up before we give it away. We're going to announce the winner on Episode 7, so get that done now. A big shout-out again, a thank you to Doug Kilo Yankee 7 Sierra for being with us and educating us on all things soda. Look forward to uh, maybe chatting with him again and learning more about soda myself. 
Check out the show notes if you've got any questions. We'd love to hear from you. You can find the contact links on the Photime website. Remember, I've got a phone line, a phone line, if you will, to call to leave your your answer to the questions we're asking on our voicemail to play back here on the program. Thanks again for listening, guys. We really appreciate you being a part of all we're doing, and we'll catch you next time on Photime. Thanks for downloading, listening, and subscribing to AmateurRadio15.com presents Photime, the other ham radio podcast. You can find our past episodes, web links, and more at AmateurRadio15.com. That's AmateurRadio15.com. Follow us on Twitter at Photime Podcast. And remember to visit our show sponsor, Main Trading Company, at MTCRadio.com. Till next time. 73s.